0: Lee Horton.
1: Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with Lisa Moody. How are you, Lisa?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you? Nice sunny yeah, day.
1: It is indeed sunny day. It is indeed. Yeah, we were just talking about that, but it's going to turn tomorrow, isn't it? And uh, I think the, the rain, never mind, never mind. So I enjoy know. it while you can, I think, is the, is the lesson. Absolutely. Uh, for those people who don't know who you are, Lisa, who are you, and how have you got to sit in this seat today?
2: Right. Okay. Um, a bit of a story, I guess. So, um, so I'm as you said, I'm Lisa Moody. I'm a senior change manager in civil service at the moment. Um, I'm working for Land Registry, um, and. Um, Heading up um, with another colleague, the change function um, internally. Um, So I've had a little bit of a long kind of journey into change, I guess. Um, Formerly, um, I've been in change for around about 10 years in a business change role. So um, prior to working civil service, worked in local government. So um, quite um, an interesting, varied um, set of opportunities that came up within that before I started um, and took the formal change role, um, I kind of reflected back and thought, what do, you know, kind of, I was in a lot of different roles, but always essentially within service improvement, um, making the services better for the customer, um, and taking our people through change. So worked in a whole variety of different things: customer services, call centre team leader, um, dealing with first and second tier calls, um, but bringing teams into the um, into the service centre um, and trying to improve things and make it better um, for the teams and for our customers. Um, then moved into a service improvement role. Um, within local government in the housing department and looked at various things like how do we make the complaints experience better for the customer. Um, And it's always been around that people focus and about um, business change um, and improving it um, to get where we need to get to. So then um, joined a transformation team Um, and moved into the formal business change role and really found my kind of my passion. Um, It's my place of passion. I love people change. um, I love business change. I love making a difference to people every day. Um, And it's kind of just kind of led me on. And it's, um, as we were saying, in kind of the lead up to hit and record on this, um, I'm What's really valuable for me is finding something that I'm passionate about and um, kind of rolling with it as opposed to um, trying to find myself in a kind of a niche. But business change, I've definitely found my place. I love it. Don't want to leave. Love that.
1: Love that. There's so many, so many questions and angles I can tell you. So civil service. how, How long have you been in the civil service
2: for? So I'm quite a newbie in terms of um, my civil service career, three and a half years. So um, a lot of the colleagues I work with have been um, there a long time. I guess the beauty of the civil service is that you can move departments, you can move within one department, you can do a whole multitude of different jobs. So um, it's you tend to find people that do stick around quite a long time. Um, but we're also seeing now lots of new people that have joined. So I joined in October 2018 um, after doing about 18 years in local government. So I felt, it, felt like it was time to kind of move on. Um, I'd, I'd Like I say, I've been fortunate. I've been involved in so many different projects in local government around um, waste collection so working with the bin men got the opportunity to go out and spend a week out on the uh, on the roads with the bin men um, they were disappointingly they wouldn't let me out of the cab to like load any bins onto the back of the lorry or anything so um but um, brilliant experience though just going out and seeing what they do day to day and talking to them and seeing kind of like what they experience but and their passion for their jobs as well um, yeah. One of the things I kind of took from that, I guess, was um, we always talk a lot about ambition. um, And when we're talking about performance management, um, we always talk about kind of, you know, what do you want your next step to be and kind of how you're going to get there, that type of thing. Um, And one of the lessons that I took from that and I talk about it still a lot now today with the teams that I'm working with, is that ambition doesn't mean striving for the next thing. It doesn't mean looking for that kind of the next step on the ladder or that promotion or moving to do something different. Ambition can just be the ambition to do a really good job of what you do day to day. And what, going out and spending, you know, just a week, um, five different crews um, during that week, you could see their ambition to do a great job to make things better for the residents in the city um, and just to kind of they could they could spot I guess the, the things that um, needed to change um, if we did that differently that could be better and it was always going back to the customer in mind um, and that was just absolutely brilliant um, tons of different kind of stuff that I was able to get involved in but then joined the civil service three and a half years ago um, which is quite a culture shock um, in a good way
1: I was just about to ask, actually, so what, what was the biggest difference between um, be- between the, t- the two different areas that you've worked there when you spoke about it and joining the civil service?
2: So um, I'd had this kind of assumption and perception that local government to civil service would be broadly similar. Um, and then um, when I did take that jump across... Um, I guess I was in a little bit of a a different position. I I was joining a particular programme. So I joined the local land charges programme within Land Registry. So local land charges um, are leading this huge initiative to um, take local government data, um, which could be in any format, paper microfiche back from like the 1980s. Um, A lot of the people, like the younger people that we were working with the program had never seen a microfiche or knew how to read it. So that was quite good fun. and you know, going back to the then, how do we get, how does it, how can we get hold of a microfiche reader? How do you procure one of those? Um, do they? Does anyone still make them? But and they do, interestingly, um, and they can take the microfiche detail and make it digital straight in one fell swoop. So you're not looking in that little kind of light box anymore. Um, and then um, they're, so they're taking this local authority data and transforming it into a digital register with spatial extents, that type of thing. So it matches, it's, it's building another register for land registry essentially. Um, that was really interesting because um, it was kind of a role of two hats. So you, I was working within the internal kind of work into the civil service. So how do we get our people um, changing and, um, you know, doing things slightly differently? We were trying to look at things like process improvement, standardising processes, that type of thing. Um, so very much kind of the, the normal kind of business change role that you might take on. But also part of my role was looking at how do we enable local authorities to manage um, their business change better um, so working with groups of people for the first time that you've got no absolutely no mandate to work with no influence over in a formal sort of way um, but just trying to help them do a better job of kind of, and get from the a point to b point better um, and the innovation that was going on particularly within the program that i was working with was quite mind-blowing um, and it after spending um you know, 18 years in local government um, and seeing a huge transformation in that time and things really kind of changing for the better. Um, moving to the civil service was like a whole kind of time shift on again as well, um, because it was just wow. so I joined at this point where there was just so much change happening. So it was great. This innovation down on the ground, um, a real kind of bottom up way of um taking ideas and trying to pump those ideas up into how we're doing things differently um, and build those services as well. Um, And a huge focus within civil service on automation, digitization, um, and enabling customers to self-serve more um, as opposed to um, having to come in and kind of speed a service, kind of slow down, that type of thing. So really interesting times.
1: Yeah. Amazing. When you, when you were talking through your journey, you use the word um, improvement a lot. Mm. And and it might not have been um, like in the type of improvement role that you find yourself in now, but improvement was there, whether it was for the customer and, and stuff. What does improvement mean to you, Lisa?
2: So to me, it's... Um... It's about making think, making the experience better um, for whoever is part of, whoever's using that process, whether, you know, ultimately, I guess, um, everything that we do from an improvement perspective should be about that end user, whether it's the customer, whether it's um, for us in the civil service, caseworkers our internal people um, you know just generally our people it's about whatever you do making it better so that could be about making it quicker it could be about making it simpler it could be about automating something Um, and it's a and it could be about kind of just getting rid of those blockers and those um you know those bottlenecks that sit within those processes but if we can take something um and we can make it better for the person that's got to Interact with that thing, whatever it is. Um, you know, it could be a process. It could be a building that you go and work in. Um, you know, it it just could be anything. It could be a bit of kit that you use, a bit of IT kit potentially, or a bit of machinery. Um, whatever it is, um, if we can make it better that's kind of that surely kind of um you know th- what we're trying to do and I think as a business change person and from a people change perspective that's kind of what drives me is about um if we can make that experience better for that person um and it feels quite seamless for them I've done my job
1: yeah completely completely people coming are coming across really strong and important to you in all of your answers so far. yeah um, have people always been important to you in your roles or is it something that that it has developed over time
2: i think looking back it's always been important to me so um i'm i really i I love working with people it's kind of what drives me um really bizarrely um and people are surprised about this i'm actually an introvert i'm not one of these uh, i'm not an extrovert Um, um i get my kind of energy from within But I just love making um, things better for the people. So, um, and I do like people. I don't want to not talk to people or anything like that. So, um, and it's, you know, that's the great thing about working in people changes. You come across so many different groups of people um, and hear so many different perspectives. Um, And I think... um, The other kind of the bit that goes with that is around um, people have generally got the ideas um, that are going to make things better. You don't, you know, part of my job isn't about generating those ideas about what I think is right. I might have an opinion about it. But the people that are doing the jobs, um, that are kind of living those experiences generally know what you've got to do better to get, um, from that A to B part of the journey. So, um, and it's, so it's kind of something, and this is kind of where I say I almost fell into business change because I started off, um, Back in kind of the very very kind of start of my journey in um, local government, was working in the payroll office, um, and um, I was just inputting the payroll stuff um, every single week, kind of like it was. We were in kind of like this groundhog day, the old dumb terminals. Um, you know, this is going back to like 1998. Um, sat there, paperwork would come in a big batch of timesheets. You'd sit there, input through the week, and it started me thinking around kind of like so why do we do it this way? Because surely there's a different way of doing it. Um, and we're on a Thursday, all the guys, i worked in a depot, all the guys would come in to get their cash payments. Um, so we'd spend all the day before counting up countless, countless packets of cash to give them their cash payment, um, which would they would then go home, give to their wives, who would then pay in the bank. And it got me thinking around kind of, so why do we why do we why don't we ask them how they want this? Why are we just the kind of assuming that they just want cash? Um, And um I would go, yeah, think about it for a bit. And then I'd go to the senior manager and I'd say why do we do this why do we do it this way why do we do it this way and after about six months i got called in by my manager um and the senior manager and they said you ask too many questions um this is you just do it you just you need to follow the process you're not you're not paid to think about stuff like this you, you ask too many questions and i thought yeah but if i'm asking these questions is this is just like me um you know like i was 24 years old, um, I just kind of landed in this kind of big local government setting. And I was like, if I'm asking these questions, why ain't anyone else asking them? And it kind of went on from there. And then the next role that I took up, I stuck around there for about nine months. Um, and I was just like, okay, I need to find something that's going to challenge me. And it, I kind of, and those questions went kind of with that with me. And then suddenly someone said, probably about s- six or seven years in, it's really good you ask all these questions you're really curious about this stuff isn't it and I was like for the first time I've not been told off about it um and it was always about kind of like yeah but we I was asking these questions because I wanted to find a better way of doing it for the people that were experiencing kind of the end of that bit and it just kind of rolled on from there and then that got me into kind of service improvement type of work um and going in and trying to make things better and I guess where it all gelled for me was when um I worked um within the housing department um and one of the projects was looking around how we dealt with complaints um so um council housing tenants would um have um lots of reasons to complain about lots of different things some justified others um not quite so justified um but we'd get them all in um at this central point so it's like okay so what are we taking? How are we making sure that for those thousand complaints that came in last month, I'm just plucking that figure off the top of my head. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> so um, I'm really sorry if it's not to the council that I worked with. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> you were great. I loved working with you. Um, and it was kind of like, OK, so if how are we making sure that we're not dealing with just a thousand things in a silo? How are we looking at these things as a whole and making sure that, if if the same thing's cropped up in 400 of those, what are we gonna do about it and make it better? Um, So um, we started to look at how we could put this into a central system and record it all, and then kind of churn out um, reports off the back of it. Um, And then I started to look at the data that was coming out of that. which led me to kind of rolling out kind of a program of work around how do we get everyone putting the same quality of information into that system so we can pull out some quality data. And anyone who knows me knows maths is not my thing at all. Um, it's a bit of a standing joke with everybody. I think all of my friends um, and probably most of my colleagues as well. It took me three goes to get my maths GCSE. So really, no. Um, so when I started looking at the data, I was like, oh, what are you thinking and what are you doing? Um, and then we started to look at, um, we can see there's patterns here. So what can we do off the back of this to try and um, make this better? And it came some work streams came off it and we started to find what those themes and those patterns were. And it kind of just all rolled on from there in terms of that business change journey. Um, and I realized then kind of, actually all of those questions that I'm asking that I've got in trouble for all those years um, and this kind of customer service drive, um, this kind of leads down a path of service improvement and business change.
1: Yeah, completely. Completely. You've said some, some really, I think I'm gonna call them like no great nuggets of information because you've said um that it's about um your approach is about being curious and 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 consistently um curious. It's about um being people centric or people having, and you said that those who know most about it, the ones that do it. You've said stuff like um it's about making the end user experience better for uh-huh. whoever that end user be. And what other lessons of change? In fact, actually, first question is how are those think four things that I've just said there? Um curiosity, importance of people, um, people who do it know most about it. And then the fourth one was around the end user experience, those four things. <laughs> have you learned those four things? Or are, are they just summing up you as a person? Um, and then the second question would be, what other golden nuggets do you have for people in change?
2: Okay. So in terms of um, the four things, I guess, um, I think, I don't know if I've learned them, but they're things that have kind of evolved in my thinking over um, the years that I've been involved in change. Um, and I think um, they're... I guess they were always there and it's kind of as you for me these things have only come um, kind of uh, they've popped up as things that are really important through working with people um it's all about working with the people whether that's kind of formal stakeholders whether it's the people affected you know just talking to people generally um I think by staying curious um and really listening to what people think um and kind of like and asking the right questions as well um you can learn so much um about um the culture of kind of the the environment that you're working in, um, what's gone before, what's not worked, why it's not worked, all of that type of stuff, which kind of can help you then build up your change picture when you're starting to put together something. If you're working, say, then in a in a change project and you're building your change management plan, you can start to build all that context behind it. Um, and it's only by involving the people and talking to the people that you can kind of then gauge um, what, that, um, what that journey needs to look like for them. So, um, Um, I think in terms of kind of change management frameworks and stuff like that, I guess this is probably going on to actually what what are the kind of the nuggets for other people working in change. Um, Change management frameworks are super helpful um, and it's great to have them to work within. I think they're really, really important. Um, One of the things for me, though, is um, don't get too hung up on using every tool and template that sits within that framework. Um, And this is something that I talk about quite a lot in the organization that I'm in at the minute. So we've got our own Um, people change framework, which we use. Um, It looks like a lot of other frameworks that are out there. So um, we've got four stages, we've got make it essential. So it's that whole building the case for change, what's that narrative, um, stakeholder mapping, that type of thing, make it ready. Um, That's starting to build up your plans, looking at the impacts on those people that are gonna be affected by the change that you've identified in your stakeholder maps um, and starting to build up what that delivery plan might look like. make it happen, which is delivery. Um, that's what you're doing, the doing, and then the make it stick, which is sometimes the hardest bit around embedding that change. And how do we make sure that people aren't gonna revert back to the old way of working or finding those shortcuts around a new system that we've put in or a process, um, You know, keeping them working on that process. Um, And we've got a series of tools and templates that sit within that as well. However, the kind of the key thing that I do spend a lot of time talking about with our change managers and our change leaders in the organization is... um, as long as you stick to the ethos of those four steps, that's probably enough. There's some key things in there that you, you should do. Um, you, need to, you need to map your stakeholders. You need to know who you're dealing with. You need to do an impact assessment. You, you need to understand exactly what that is um, and how it's going to affect those people that you've identified. And you need to have a clear case for change. Um, the other bits you need to do, you need to understand um, ready, people readiness um, and business readiness as well. Um, And and that's okay. once you've got that. And then if you've got enough to start to build your plan um, and then it might evolve, um, because as you start to get into working with those people, um, you can keep building it from there on in. And at the end, as long as you're able to measure how... That change went, and if it's sticking, and did you get the benefits? Because everything is about benefits realization at the end of the day, isn't it? You want to you, you want to achieve what you set out to right at the very beginning. So closing that loop, full circle. Um, but as long as you're kind of thinking about those things. Um, using all those other tools and templates in there, they could be helpful, but they're not essential because um, you just need to keep your, your mind on and your eye on kind of what you set out to achieve in the first place, involving the right people and, to keep, you know, keeping those people in, um, kind of in that loop. Um, I think the, one of the other lessons I've taken away um, is co-design wherever you can. Um, work with your Um, your stakeholders um, and the people that are really being affected by the change to craft what those solutions are going to look like. Um, Sometimes you can't do that because the change is set in stone. Um, And I think in those cases, be super honest because um, be really clear on what, what is Kind of what's what's negotiable um what's what i guess i go back to fnc in these cases what's fundamental what aren't you going to influence at all be really clear about that be open and honest this is what this change will deliver but this is what it absolutely won't deliver So to kind of pop that to one side what's negotiable um so what's sat within that um proposal for change that um, you might not feel is quite right but so you might be able to influence let's have a look at that and explore that and what is changeable so what's actually on the table for those people to influence um and giving them um real ownership of kind of crafting what that influential bit looks like um because you get your buy-in much more um easily because you're creating something that um number one these people have had a hand in also crafting but also um, it's built with the knowledge of the people again that are down on the ground doing those jobs um, and it makes things uh, much more credible when you're doing it. Um, I guess um, one of the other things um, that I feel quite passionate about Um, And it's something I've started to explore over the last few months, really. And it's something that came as a bit of an idea. And I was kind of like, yeah, I've done a bit of reading about it. There's some stuff that's kind of out there as well. Once you start digging around, it's about the concept of the invisible change manager. So one of the kind of takeaways that I've had from um, particularly the last 10 years in this kind of formal change manager role has been around um, as a change manager, probably nine times out of 10 seen as the face of the change. Um, So um, kind of rewinding back in time, about seven years ago, I was involved in rolling out an accommodation strategy in local government. Um, And what that meant in terms of practical terms was refurb of council buildings, the introduction of hot desk in which was really controversial at the time it was um when central government had just started kind of you know getting the learning out of um, how they'd done it um centrally but councils and kind of like the far-flung count, you know government bodies weren't really doing it um and it was the introduction of new technology all at the same time so it was pretty wholesale um and in a council you've got whole vast kind of way, a whole vast range of services and, uh, you know, this vastness of how those services are delivered. Um, I think we had about 28 different buildings at that point in time um, and the aim was to consolidate everybody into three main big buildings in a hot desking environment. You know, you've got people like children's social care, um, you've got environmental teams, you've got frontline workers that are you know, day in, day out, they just need a base to come to, and you've got kind of like the the corporate back office services as well. So, whole range of needs and requirements that are kind of built in there as well. And you know, social workers can't have those kind of open plan conversations necessarily all the time. So, you're trying to build up sets of requirements as you go in along. Um, so. Um, we decided to um, quite foolishly, I think at the time, workshop the entire authority <laughs> at team level. So I spent about 18 months kind of just going out and talking to teams and working out kind of what this meant for them and how what would they need to work um, so we could craft some bespoke ways of working, build up some team charters for them. And it soon became clear that um, despite the fact there was a whole project team that sort of sat behind this change, it was huge. You know, it was massive. There were contractors on sites, There was there were programme managers coming at your ears, project managers, business analysts kind of like forming all those requirements. Um, but as the person that was going out and talking to those teams, um, every single question would come back to me um and a whole senior leadership that was sponsoring this as well um and it was kind of like okay so I've become I seem to become this kind of catch-all person for absolutely everything and um people would be saying on calls um oh we need to ask about that they say oh yeah go and ask Lisa Moody and it'd be like oh no uh, (laughs) I've created a bit of a monster with this how can we do this differently and it's something that I've thought about a lot of over the years um and um we've spent um In the current organisation I'm in, quite a lot of time thinking about how do we build capability within the organisation and enable our leaders to be able to lead change better, have the right tools and support behind them, um, but make them kind of be seen as the leaders of the change um, and as sponsors of the change. You know, that's absolutely where we want to get to, which then has got me thinking about. change managers if we do our jobs really well we should be quite invisible in the background we should be sat there we should absolutely be crafting all of the right things for our leadership to use so um, making sure that the case for change is written in a really kind of engaging way um getting that stakeholder mapping underway and involving the right people in doing that building up that change plan um but the face of the change should be um those um people at the front who are absolutely standing up and leading it so as a change manager we shouldn't be seen necessarily um and it makes me think that if we um if we do our jobs really really well um people won't even know we exist so when we do a, a change review um in its most formal sense when we're going through our assurance stuff if someone says what change manager um that's kind of like I think that's all right actually that looks like success to me because um no one knows that we're kind of there um in the background and I think you know jump forward into the future um if we do our jobs really well about building capability and getting everyone kind of at a point of knowing exactly how they can lead change successfully um as a leader in the organization they probably don't need people like us as much um anyway so um it's something I find really interesting it's something that it's it's something to explore I think most definitely.
1: So I love the concept of uh, invisible change manager but what I find Lisa is that in fact actually invisible change manager um, so a lot of change people that, uh, that I know there's some of them have got egos and they're in they're in position because they're the ones who like to have the answer. How do you in fact, do you do, have you found that and have you had any challenges with that first before I move on with another question? Because this excites me, this does, Lisa.
2: <laughs> no, me too. Um, this is something that, um, again, it's an evolving bit of thinking for me, I guess. So um, I found um, in my experience, there's... Um, with with some leaders um there's an expectation that as change managers we will lead from the front and we will be seen to be that kind of out there type of person and i guess again it depends um as individuals kind of what your personality type is so i think um the invisible change manager concept kind of appeals to me as an introvert because um i don't necessarily want to kind of be out there kind of la all the time um because it's really exhausting um and um Being kind of, I guess, the the concept of being behind the scenes um, and um, enabling our leadership to be seen to lead that change Just it kind of fits into my personality type, but it also fits into kind of where I think we need to be taking change management um, into the future. Um, I think um, in terms of general leadership capability, being able to lead your people, regardless of whether that's in BAU, whether it's through a period of change, and to inspire them and to be able to take them with you um, and take them on that journey, is um, is at completely essential? I think as a, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if I'm being led by somebody, I want to be inspired by them. I want to be following them and feeling passionate about that that kind of journey and that place that we're going. Um, as opposed to somebody coming in as part of a project or a piece of change that's happening and telling me what I've got to do and then disappearing off to something else um, that looks a bit wizzy um, at some point in the future. Um, so I think it builds that leadership credibility, which is absolutely you know, kind of what we need. Um, so it's, um, but I think there is um, um, this kind of two shades of like this day and night in terms of what people expect of a change manager. Um, when you're taking people through a change some of that I think depends on the type of change that it is as well Um, if it's quite contentious um, or going to be really unpopular I guess there is a, a reliance on falling back to the change manager and the project team to say well you know this is this is kind of being implemented as part of this. It's not nothing that I might want to lead my people through. Um, but again, credible action. Um, if you're going to take people from A to B, you've got to be leading from the front and, you know, being able to do it. Um, we should never be in a position where change is being done to people. Um, and I think having that change manager is this kind of the face of the change. Um, unless you're really canny about how you integrate them in part of that, Business delivery part, which can be done. I've seen it done really well um, recently in some changes that we're making um, in our organisation where um, the the business and the change manager have stood up side by side um, and they've led it together in a really structured way and that's worked really, really well. But I think there is a risk around um, this feeling of being done to um, unless you put a lot of time into thinking how that might kind of work. And I think you have to be really careful about the situation that you're in um, and the type of change that's being delivered um, to be able to do that well.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. One of my favourite questions on LinkedIn, because um, I've got quite a large LinkedIn um, uh, connections and, and I've got two groups of people in my connections as business leaders. And there's change practitioners or facilitators of change. And and I love asking the question, and I'm I've not done it for a few weeks now. And you're prompting me, I might I might do it this afternoon. I've not put my post out yet so today. Um, do we need a change team? Or is change a leader's role? And and I I love to kind of like to try to split it. Where do you think, or how would you answer that question? And how will you answer it when I tag you in the past later on?
2: (laughs) Okay, I know what I think about this. This is quite good because this is something that um, has been in my thinking as part of this invisible change manager kind of thought that I've had. Um, So I think we need both, but I think it's about different capabilities um, than what we, I guess, than what we might have at the moment. So I think when you think about a traditional change manager, so I look back, so 10 years ago when I became a business change manager in the most formal sense, um, it was very much as I, as I kind of reflected earlier, you're the face of the change, you're out there, you're, you're doing all the, um, the briefings with the teams about it, you're building all of those kind of plans, you're, you know, you're crafting the case for change, you're doing it all. So you're doing the technical stuff and the, the softer stuff as well. Um, kind of moving forward to now where we absolutely want to get to as I've said is you want those leaders to be leading their people through change um, and change change leadership is an absolute essential part of leadership capability um, whether you like it or not it's um, it's got to be done um, and um, you know Primarily, you know, when you look at leadership and management and, you know, how that's evolved over the years, um, management is very nuts and bolts. Um, it's the, you know, it's the pay and rations element of it and that transactional element of looking after people. Leadership is a whole different set of skills and a whole different ball ballgame. Um, and to be a leader, you've got to be able to take your people with you on that journey. Um, where I think, um, so in answer to your question, I think we need both, but we need everyone to be doing things differently. So, um, and again, um, this is going to sound a bit like sitting on the fence, maybe. We need change managers to be sat in the background. You can build as a change manager, I can build um, all of that technical kind of approach to it around, you know, doing the stakeholder mapping and building the change plan, you know, crafting that case for change. Um, and the leader can be discharging it. So um, we become, I think, increasingly our change manager roles are going to involve a lot more coaching of the leaders that are um, taking their people through change. Um, So it's kind of shifting in terms of what skills you need. Um, You absolutely need all the same skills that you started out with, um, you know, around that technical change management kind of ability. Um, But also you need to be able to... um, and I think we've already got this as change managers with the softer side of things and reading kind of people's reactions and um, taking those temperatures and stuff like that around kind of what's out there. But there's um, there's kind of a new part of their role um, around um, coaching the senior leaders that are being that face the change, or it could be middle managers, whoever is heading up that change as part of that business sponsorship role, um, or taking your teams and people through. Um, there's much more of a, a coaching. Role that has to happen there, which then involves building a lot of trust um, and credibility. Um, so the role of the change manager is changing.
1: It is. I, I love it. I love this so much. So you sparked so many different thoughts, and um, and this conversation could last for, for a hell of a lot longer than ever planned. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible uh, because when when you're talking, then in my head I'm going, oh, ah. Uh, uh, Internal change teams mirroring what they saw in consultancies 10 years ago where consultants were brought in to fix a metric, to, to, to just address a process but not build the capability of the people. And, and so um, change teams were built with people who have process knowledge, um, not necessarily people capability things. And I think there's um, there's a balance that needs to be found. It's like a wheel. with is it an axle with wheels on it? Is that what it is? I don't, I don't, anyway, and I think on one of the wheels, it's business performance. And on the other wheel, it's our business capability, which is about the process. And the other one, it's people capability. And, and I yeah. think you've got to grow both of them together. And I think there's been far too long consultants have just been working on business capability, not building the capability of people. And I guess my question to you, Lisa, is internal change teams, have they been focused purely on business capability and not people capability, which is why they've been built the way that they've been built.
2: Um, I think that's probably where it started. Um, where um we might have um found some um I think regardless of which, you know, this isn't relevant to the organization I'm in at the minute or the one that I've worked in, I think generally, this is quite general speaking, we yeah. might have kind of found our change managers who have got great process knowledge, great operational knowledge. Um, they might be um, fab business analysts. Um, we see a lot of change people that have started off in that analysis and it's kind of, you know, it's you, know, you do a bit of stakeholder management and then it kind of it kind of morphs into something else. Um, it's a natural kind of career step, I guess. So um, but I think now we're seeing um, a lot of our change managers. Um, who don't need that technical kind of business knowledge anymore or that process improvement capability. Um, it's much more on the kind of the softer skills now around um, building. Um, you, you still, don't get me wrong, you still need that change management capability that, you know, yeah. that what we call the technical side of it. Um, but we're seeing a lot more of the softer skills that are needed. Um, and those, um, I think the coaching skills are coming out um Kind of tenfold now in terms of being able to influence um, and persuade people, you know, to take slightly different approaches. Um, critical thinking is another skill. Um, I think as change managers, it was. Back At the beginning, um, it was much more mechanistic. Here's a change you've got to deliver, build a change plan to go and make that happen. Now we're having to deploy different types of skills, I think, and we're asking um different things from our change managers, um, in comparison to kind of what the good old days looked like sort of 10 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, completely. And this might be a completely unfair question, um, but <laughs> I, I, I find that that some. Dependent upon the maturity of the organisation, it dictates the seniority of the change team. So, and what I mean by that is, if a organisation is mature in their thinking in change, you'll mm-hmm. find a more senior change team in place. If you find that um, a change team is, or, a, sorry, a business is immature in their change um, uh, understanding, then you'll find that they have a maybe a lower level seniority change team with a smaller voice do you find have you found that in your experience or or not um, and that's why it's an unfair question
2: <laughs> yes no i think i have i would I, my reflection is yeah i think you're right um in um, your observations on that one um i think um where I'm working at the moment we're really fortunate because um, we've got um, a real investment in change. Um, We've got um, a a change team um, that are built in kind of a hub and spoke type model. We've got a central change team where I sit. Um, We've also got local change teams that sit out kind of in operations and in the wider business as well. So we've kind of got the best of both worlds where we've got that kind of down on the ground knowledge within some of the change cohort and also that strategic change capability that's built within our, um, our central team as well, um, we've been looking at change maturity of the organization and how that links in with our culture aspirations as well. So, we're trying to join things together better. Um, and um, for the first time, um, we've got a change strategy, which is really exciting. Um, and that details kind of how we are going to build the capability across the whole organization within the leadership, within our change managers, um, investment and change agents, um, and kind of. The the concept now, I guess, where we're going um, for us is around change is everyone's responsibility. Um, It's not not mine as a change manager. It's not yours as a leader. um, It's also the responsibility of the people that are receiving the change to um, help us get that right as well um which is really difficult because sometimes if a change is unpopular you're going to be really resistant to it as the recipient of it um and I think the beauty of that is about how we as change managers make sure that we're involving those people and listening and responding properly to them as well at the same time um so we're we're kind of we're evolving um and it's really exciting to kind of see it done in that way now um where we're looking at you know it's not. It's not just about the tools and the templates that we use or the framework that we've got. It's absolutely still about that, um, but it's about building that strategic capability and this kind of this feeling that change is for everybody. And change. I know it's like it's like <laughs> yawn. Um, we've heard this a million times. It's like you know, change is the new normal. Um, but it really is, and it's it's so cheesy when people say this, um, mm-hmm. but it really is. Um, we're in we're in this kind of environment now where change. Change is inevitable. We're going to have, everything's got to change because we've got to make things better. It goes back to what I was saying at the start. We, we're changing for the better. We're not changing for change's sake or because we're trying to, you know, save money or whatever. It's, it's about making the experience better for whoever is receiving it, customer, um, employee, you know, whoever that person might be. Um, so we shouldn't expect to ever be in this kind of static place. Um, we're just going to keep going, which makes you know it, it does then make it it's everyone's job to try and make it as um as good as we can um and so we get it right as quickly as possible
1: yeah love that love that so much I think there's there's a lot a lot that you've covered in the in the ground in the conversations there um I guess one final question before I have two two final questions so I guess that makes three <laughs> questions to go um uh, problem solving so we spoke about continuous improvement and, and transformation and, and bigger um, I guess, bigger changes in, in, in the stuff that you're, you're doing is in in your view, um, problem solving going forward with what you're trying to do here. Is it is that going to be part of everybody's job or is that going to be and, and is it going to be done daily? So is it in fact, the question is, yeah, problem solving. Is that going to be part of everybody's job or not?
2: I think it is. Um, So um, again, kind of looking back at the way things were done, um, you know, back at the start, Problem solving always happened at a senior level. Some, we might get a set of consultants in to unpick a problem. Um, it might be a senior, you know, group of senior leaders that would um, take a problem and just determine what that solution might look like. Um, and I think those days are kind of gone now. Where we're now working, I guess, in this new kind of changes, everyone's role, um, you know. Change is inevitable. We're going to be constantly in this kind of continuous improvement mode and change is just going to happen as kind of a normal thing. Um, this now takes us to problem solving. everyone's job. Um, going back to kind of where, you know, where I talked about the bin men and going out and spending a week with them. Um, They were the people that were doing those jobs day in, day out. They knew what were the problems to start with, why they were problems um, and what we could do to address that and make it better and what good would look like from their perspective. So I think um, it's really important to be listening to the people that are doing those jobs, um, regardless of what level you sit at in the organisation, because problems happen at all different levels. um, it's really important to get that kind of people perspective on it and involve them um, wherever you can. So I think, yes, problem solving is everybody's jobs. And it's part of this new kind of skill set in the workplace that we need, where um, it's, it's changing the narrative from, um, well, that's not my job to think about, that. I'm just here to do this. Um, it's about actually it is my job because I want to make this better for my customers, my colleagues, myself, um, whatever, whoever you want to make it better for. So I think it is. Yes.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, and I guess, um, have the business that you're in currently, have they um, acknowledged that it takes people's time to solve problems, and they're happy to down the tools to solve problems
2: as well? Absolutely. Um, so um, my organisation's been through a huge um, transformation over the, the last three years. Um, so we've done this through, you know, well, Huge, two huge transformations. We've done the whole shift through the pandemic from um, being very office-based through to this um, new hybrid working model. And we're still trying to work out what that really looks like down on the ground and how we maintain performance as part of that, um, which I think every organisation um, is still going through at the moment. But we did this kind of obviously overnight overnight shift from everyone sat in an office on the 20th of March 2020 to um, where we are today where sure. we're in this you know kind of like you know I'm at home today um, I've been in the office this week for a couple of days um, and you know it's all about what you do and where you need to do it with who that is but we've also been through this huge transformation um, an intentional one um, that was planned for quite a long time around um, looking at how we manage performance within the um, or how how do we how do we know that we're performing? It's not about performance management. It's about how do we know that we're performing well, um, and it all starts with the customer. So, what does our customer need from us? What's important for our customer, um, and um, how do we make sure that we get there? And how do we how do we track our performance um, as we go? And we've got this um, a new concept. Um, it's not new for us now. We've been doing it for a good couple of years. Um, it's about um, team led planning where the teams are setting performance targets um, for the for the day, for the week forward. Um, it involves those daily stand-ins and check-ins to uh, stand-ups and check-ins to see how it's going. Um, what does that actually mean? Um, and it's about team solving those problems and addressing those business issues. Um, again, with the same concept that um, you do the job, you probably know what's gonna work and what's not gonna work. Um, and you probably know how to fix it actually. Um, because you know your your people that you're working for, you know the type of work that you do. Um, So it's kind of flipped everything on its head completely. Um, There's been a performance dip, as you'd expect there to be. Um, There is through any major change that you're rolling out, and this was kind of wholesale across the whole of our operations um, environment, and we're now doing this in in our other corporate areas as well. Um, It's about those regular conversations happening about performance, um, and... um, The team coming up with the actions to be able to address it, um, which is really kind of inspiring. It takes time to do this, though. We've had to take our leaders out for periods of time. We've had to take our teams out for periods of time. Um, and we're also taking them out every single day for those 15-minute chats. So when you kind of add up all those hours across the whole organisation, um, that's a lot of time investment and a lot of commitment from our senior leaders to enable that to happen. Um, and it's about now: how do we how do we get that kind of how do we sustain kind of what we've built and make it better and keep working on that now in this kind of continuous improvement way of working. So the whole conversation is now about continuous improvement um, and being flexible and responding to that is it better um it is um it's taking being really honest it's taking some time to get there it's not it's not a thing that we switched on overnight and we were able to kind of get right um but it's giving the power back to the people which i think is then changing the culture um you know i guess in the civil service um There's a risk it could be kind of top down um, because of the structures and the hierarchies that we work in. But this has been about giving the power back to the people to help them to um, have some more control over their days um, and um, start to do things differently and start to come up with those ideas. Those problem solve activities that are happening, Um, they happen at team level. So it's, it's really it is giving the power back, which is I think it's really refreshing. It's really inspiring for me.
1: Yeah, no, amazing, amazing, and, and honestly, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Two really quick questions, because um, Lisa, as you are far posher than I, I will slightly rephrase this to what I normally <laughs> ask: um, What are you having for your dinner? So, dinner as an evening meal, or as I would say, me tea.
2: It's my tea down here as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the good old Southwest. I grew up in Cornwall. It was always tea dinner. Something you had at lunchtime. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's not hey, something hey, you hey, have at five p.m. So I'm totally hey, hey, with hey, you. Hey, hey. Oh, that's a really good question because um i was going to say pork chops for tea um however sunshine in is friday it could be a takeaway you never know friday's the new saturday particularly because it's going to rain tomorrow so or maybe yeah. we'll have a barbecue who knows so
1: who knows and, and you don't need to decide yet either do you? You don't exactly need to decide yet. yeah plenty I of know. choice plenty of choice and um and, and lisa if people wanted to know more about you uh start a conversation where would they go what would they do what would they find
2: so um, LinkedIn's probably the best place to go. Um, so my LinkedIn, I'm racking my brains now, is um, so it's at Lisa Moody CM, um, as in change manager, really snappily titled, so yeah. my name, <laughs> CM. Um, but yeah, connect with me, um, message me, um, it's the best place to find me. So I um, love to talk to people. I'm really passionate about change, um, as you know, so um, I love talking about it. Um, I'd like to do a shameless plug while I'm here as well um for the change management institute so um i'm the um southwest chapter lead for the uk um so anywhere kind of from bristolish dang um we pick up people so uh, we've got regular events um have a look at the change management institute web pages um there's some linkedin groups as well there's two one one. For the whole of the Institute, one for the UK. Um, we we're on regular events, um, lots of learning, some for members, lots for non members as well. Um, but definitely have a look there. So um, we'll have, we have we try and do something regularly, maybe once a month in the southwest chapter. Um, we're still in the virtual world. We're not back face to face in our chapter yet. So um, you don't have to be from the southwest to connect with our chapter. So uh, we've got some really interesting stuff there. lots of recordings to look back on as well. So and I think we're going to maybe try and um, lure you back in to do something um, with us as well. Lee.
1: amazing yeah amazing more than happy to do it. Honestly, Lisa, i just want to say thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today it's been a thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable and insightful conversation good luck with everything you've got going on and i definitely look forward to uh to chatting again very soon
2: brilliant it's been great to chat thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to business problems solved